let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and tonight is the one you've all been waiting for. It is the Sour Special. How are you feeling, Steve? Nervous. Just nervous? Is that what we're going to leave it there? I, I'm, I, I'm nervous. I'm a little bit excited as well about what's to come, um, but mostly nervous. Okay, well, let's crack into the first beer straight away. So this is from the Garden Brewery. It's a sour series, and it's made in Croatia. And it's three and a half percent. So I feel I've gone quite a gentle start, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. It's all right on the nose. It's a little bit puckery. <laughs> Just on the nose, it almost, um, it's very lager-like. Yeah, it's on, got, on it's got that slightly floral, almost bready nose to it. Yeah. Maybe associated with Pilsner, perhaps. Yeah. A bit lemony. Yeah. Um, See, I've obviously, we're in different stages of our sour journey, so I didn't find it quite as lip puckering as you. I found it very lemony. Yeah, very, but did very... you find that you had to suck it in, or? Um, let, let me have another go. Just just a little bit on the end. It, it, just, it, it, a, just, it just gets me, yeah. Nice sharp. I think it's got a really beautiful sharpness at the end of it. It's, it's really cleansing, really, really refreshing yeah. as, as well. Bags of flavour, three and a half percent, though, isn't it? I can't. Yeah, when when you said it was three and a half percent, and I tasted it, I was like, "Oh, that's that's a tasty beer for for a very low ABV." Yeah, it's not bad at all, is it? No, no, not at all. I'm gonna have a little sip more. Actually, I'm quite enjoying this one. No, I'm. I, to be fair, this is this is a pretty good start. Now you're gonna um, you're taking me on a whole journey, aren't you? Yeah. So my my thinking is that you are already in a place where you. You, as far as you're concerned, when we say we're bringing some sours to the Essex Bottle Share or anything that involves sour, or someone sends us them through to you, you're not that happy about it. So it's I want not to, that I'm not happy about it. It is. It is. So my <laughs> my plan is to try and change your perception about what sours are and what they can be. Okay. So I have carefully curated a selection, and I reckon you'll find a few surprises in there. Okay. So this is the first of. Seven. Seven beers that we're doing. Yeah. I was thinking I was thinking of some sort of tiny with seven deadly sins, but I couldn't quite find a way to work it all. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't let me loose on that one. I, I would have found a way. So, Steve, what have you been up to recently? I am um, nothing again, really. Well, um, that's quick. Moving, <laughs> moving on to the news, everyone. Um, no, it's it's been, uh, since the last time we recorded, uh, largely a couple of weeks at home. Uh, with one trip out that was uh, pretty much down to you and, and, and three of the best beers that, that I had <laughs> during the last two weeks from that were from that single trip out mate alright so I'm, I'm thinking we're t- so it's going to be the, a shared shared one anyway so I'm thinking we're talking about when we went to the Victorian in Colchester to celebrate my son's 18th birthday that's it and uh, we had a lovely spot out the back in their beer garden which is all covered over sofas which I never knew existed the amount of times I've been there <laughs> I was and, shocked when you and, said and that and I never knew this back garden existed and um, it's got like a mock up bar at the back with some old memorabilia on there hasn't it as well uh, my parents were there one of my brothers um, his godparents you your boys and, and a couple of other people and it was a thoroughly lovely afternoon nice weather as well yep and um, yeah we um, well we, sh- we all shared a few beers but there was one in particular, well, the two in particular, but it was one which was advertised by the Vic the day before, I think it was. 
yes. a couple of days before. Well, it was the it was the Thursday before. Um, it was a beer by XT Brewing, which was a Burton, I, Burton IPA, so a Burton India Parallel. Um, that had been, I think it had been barrel aged in sherry or brandy barrels. Something as, like that, yeah. As, as well, which, um, doing a little bit of reading about it online, by all accounts what they've done is they've tried to recreate uh, a traditional old-fashioned India parallel with, with, with this recipe. So it's a little bit of... Bit, certainly bit had, certainly had that feel to it. Uh, again, yeah. So, um, and I was, I was thrilled to see it still on the bar because it was on cask. As, as well, so it's been on since Thursday, been on for a few days, probably reaching the end of its uh, cask life, one one might say. Um, but I was thrilled when, when I saw it, and, and then I saw... So what did was, you have for your first drink, Steve? I, I had that. You went the, straight in, didn't you? 7, 7.1%. Yeah, so I mean, on, on tap it says it's a circa 19th century style IPA, long maturation, oak age, traditional IPA. And fairly much, that sort of felt, that's how it felt. Good. Yeah, I mean, it, it tasted lovely. It was it was warming. It was boozy. There was some bitterness in there. There was some like some some citrus flavours in there. Some citrus notes. There's a lovely balance though between the malt and the cit- and the citrus yeah. flavour from the hot, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, it was like it was it was essentially like uh, probably the only way I could describe it was a little bit of a hopped up ESB. Yeah, I think I described it as. Um... Like a, a like a bigger version of an old ale almost at times yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that quality that came from so it so well. And it was it was in as as we have come to expect to know it had um it was in fantastic condition at the uh, at the Vic anyway. Oh, it was it was in top notch condition because uh, you did, you had more than one of those and I I had more than one of those. I think Carl had more than one of those as well. With yeah, us. I ended up having a couple of them. Um, so yeah, that was one of the beers that day. Um, and then um, the bar was. Nicely stocked that day, actually. It was very... There was a great selection on the bar. Problem was, they were all massive ABVs. Yeah, they they didn't really have anything I went for, which wasn't, to be honest. Um, so the other one which caught my eye, because I know there's one you're going to mention anyway, but it was the Oud Brune Cherry Harvest 2017 edition from Browie Vazette, Sours Flanders Oud Brune 6%. I had a couple of pints of that. I I did want to get in into that, but I I ran out of time, so, unfortunately. I had a couple of pints of that. It was absolutely delicious, right up there with some really nice Flanders reds. You know, I had a, a modus operandi recently as well, and it's right up there with that. It was beautiful, yeah, beautiful beer eyes. The, the, the reason why I probably didn't get onto that was because I, I got a bit stuck on another beer as well. Yes, that, that they had on, <laughs> which I, I can understand why. So, so they had on uh, on their keg lines, uh, Marbles Half Guard, which is uh, an American IPA, and it was it was just cracking. It was absolutely on top form. Um, big citrus, top tropical notes. And uh, a really well balanced bitter finish to it as, as well, but it was just really crisp all the way. So throughout. easy to drink at six point seven as well. Yeah, because I went back for a couple of those. Yeah, I, I, I think I had two of those and two of the um, the, the Burton IPA, and and then I think I um, enjoyed the next beer that I shall let you introduce <laughs> as, as well before I staggered off up to the station for the uh, the rail replacement to be given a can of Stella by a very friendly fellow passenger who was handing out cans of Stella to everyone on the, on, on the bus so I, I then enjoyed a can of Stella on the way home on the oh, bus I would have taken that this weekend with the buses um, so um, a few people may have seen the picture I posted um, I'd kept I've kept it since he was born but I had I've had this one for a while now the Fuller's Vintage Ale 2000 edition 
um, which I when when I got it, I thought about it. I thought, right, I'm going to leave that till Michael's 18th birthday. And uh, the, the Vic very kindly um, let me open it there and share it round. I think we had to get. I think I got. I had to get about ten pours out of it, didn't I? Yeah, all of that experience and bottle share really came into use there because they were fairly evenly poured by the end they were very well poured by the end mate. You, know, you did so a good job there three three and a half years of practice at bullshit yeah so we knew there was a reason for it um and um it didn't disappoint i have to admit because my dad was then you know I, I was giving a little bit of background to it and he said well you know what if you open and you find out it's awful i said that can happen and same as with a bottle of wine it could happen but fortunately it didn't happen it was um it was tasting so smooth mm. um, sort of uh, I think Richard from the Vic said it, it was a bit of like licorice toffee almost to it but wasn't that licorice wasn't overpowering at all nice and sweet wasn't cloying at all was it no it was I mean it was incredible for a beer that was essentially 18 years old in terms of its conditioning it was still it still had life in it yeah you know, Actually, that's a good point. There was still a lot of life in there, so it's you know it's obviously the yeast has been doing its job in there because it's it's been keeping things alive. But yeah, I mean it was like it was incredibly smooth. I I got a lot of toffee from it, a lot of vanilla as as well. It had a really sweet finish to it, like a, a really that nice nice sort of like malty biscuit finish to it as well, um, and just just incredible stuff. I mean, it was just it was almost like it had, it had transcended being an old owl. And, and it become, I don't know, something like a super barley wine or something. It was yeah. Just, it was just incredible. Yeah, no, it was, I was so pleased it was still nice, I have to admit, because obviously that one I'd been holding back for a while now and looking forward to it. And it was like the perfect day for it. Lovely weather, everyone was happy. You know, Michael tasted a bit. I think Michael, I actually let Michael open the bottle, didn't I? Yeah. And um, he did actually sample a bit. I'm not sure he'd be rushing to go out and spend a few hundred quid on a replacement <laughs> one. Um, but he, he, he enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, some fantastic beers that day at the, at the Vic. Yeah, really nice. Um, obviously, this weekend I was down. I was down in Brighton. Yeah, you you, you had a weekend in Brighton. Yeah. How was that then? Well, because it was supposed to be a weekend. Of, you know, it was my regular catch up with a certain group of guys. Um, turned into effectively the Saturday stay over, so no one's having to worry about trains and stuff like that. Went to the legend that is the Evening Star. Nice pub, isn't it? It's a lovely pub. Yeah. Um, went straight in on a pint of hophead. As you do, you kind of have to, don't you? Yeah, I've, uh, you know, I'm going to be at the birthplace of it. I've got to have it there, yeah, not really. Yeah. Uh, but it is a beautiful pub, um, even though it's so close to the station. And it was a match day; it wasn't packed at all. It was beautiful, lovely. It was like people didn't go down that road. Um, you've kind of got to know it's there, to, yeah, to, to, to want to go there. So because there's nothing else on that road, it's, it's a place for sort of beer geeks and people that like their yeah. their, their beer and know a little bit about the area. But it's not somewhere where you're going to stumble across from the station. No. Um, we went to the Albert, very quirky looking pub. Um, and again, they had some lovely beers on there. They had um, a, couple of, a couple of beers from Burning Sky, had some Arise and some Plateau, so that mm. was nice. And then um, in the evening, it was just peeing it down. So after we, when we were getting our taxi from the hotel, I said, look, let's just go to one place. Don't want to be doing the drown rat look, to be honest. And um, went to North Lane Brewhouse. So that's quite a nice little space, isn't it? It's quite yeah. a big space they've got in there. Yeah, and because um, I found out that they, they tend to stay open late, I thought, okay, well, if we do want to carry on, we don't have to look for somewhere else. And um, they've got a great range of their own beers there. Um, I think I had the IPL while I was there. Um, they had some sours on. I had a Chalton Sour. And that's, I think that's where I had the um, 
the beard from the wild beard, the modus operandi. And then got chatting to the guy behind the bar who runs it and does some of the brewing as well. And then he started re- recommending a few. So I started getting a few out of the fridge and stuff. And um, just really nice in there. It sort of ticks a lot of boxes because it does become a bit of a late night venue. Although there isn't actually any dancing per se going on. They've got that the, the that kind of music you'd expect in a late night venue mm. rather than just a beer place. Really good mix of people coming in and out. So how are you feeling about this beer at the moment? It's, I'm finding it quite easy actually. It's going down. It's going down really easy. It's not. It's not overly sour. It's. It's not. It's. It's. It is very cutting. There, there's. There is a lovely dry finish to it as well. Um, but at the same time, it's. It's really, really refreshing. And it would have been. Would have been a perfect beer to have had over the summer that we've we've just had. Would have been brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean Absolutely that's brilliant. you could. Whether I'd be able to say it was a sessionable beer, I don't know. But certainly a, a can of that to break things up. I would, think if you were, spot on. If you'd had a few big beers or you just had something really meaty, I think that would cut through it quite yeah, nicely, actually. Without a doubt. Um, I just want to mention two more beers that, that, that I've had um, before we move on. So I had, uh, and, and you can tell that we're coming into to, to the autumn now. Are we, are, we, are we in the dark season <laughs> we beers? Are, we are into the dark season of beers. So I had um, Siren's Shattered Dream, uh, the Salted Chocolate Caramel edition um which was simply incredible it was it was really thick really velvety uh and literally ticked all the boxes sorted chocolate notes were in there and just had a nice balance of roasted bitterness on the finish as well so so that that was a real a real winner for me um and then the other one that i had was um again from marble who i, th- I think i've said it before and i'm i'm, I'm gonna say it again for, for me Marvel are absolutely smashing it out of the park at the moment with their beers. You've been, you've been massively impressed with their offerings this year, haven't you? I have been seriously impressed with every beer I've had from Marvel. There isn't a single beer that I've had from them that I thought, oh, no, they've missed the mark on that. And even when we were up in Manchester oh, for that yeah. weekend, you know, we, we enjoyed a few pints in the Marble Arch as well. But yeah, they are absolutely smashing it out of the park for me right now. Um, I had their Decadence, which was uh, a stout that they released last Christmas in a can um, but they did a, a bourbon barrel aged version of it as well in the bottle um, and that was just it was absolutely beautiful um, again it was at that sweet toffee and vanilla um, there was uh, hints of dark chocolate in there and then it had this beautiful warming finish from the bourbon and and it was just an absolute delight to drink i think i took a took maybe an hour, well over an hour to finish that beer because i was just enjoying it so much that's not too bad i mean it, i mean it, i did see your your notes at the time and um it did sound absolutely delightful yeah. and the night we're recording tonight it's got colder again so that would be a perfect I think I'm going to find myself beer. digging into the uh, the dark shelf in my cellar a little bit more. Well, it's quite handy because uh, we tend to build them up during the year anyway, don't you? As yeah. As release, you sort of stock them up, put them in, that kind of thing. Unless you get suddenly caught out with the old, I need a cold stout in the middle of summer. That's true. <laughs> Tell you what else I did try since we had the last show, um, the axe edge in the can. Oh, yeah. What did you think? For me, and... Uh, it's, I, I, I always find it hard sometimes to, to, to comment on these things because different places, different times, that kind of stuff. But I remember when we were in, the New, in Newcastle for the Crimbo Crawl and we went to this bar after we'd done lots of other bars and me and you both had a bottle of Axe Edge and it went down a tree. I think we'd had a few different types of beers mm. and all that and it just cut through everything, that lovely, long, lingering bitterness at the end 
and that real pining that's up, up top. It's got nearly all of that still, but just doesn't feel like it's quite got that sharpness at the end. Still really enjoyed it. I mean, I, spent, I still did three cans. So, yeah. you know, it's all like I was like drain pouring the stuff. Um, just didn't quite have that sharpness at the back end for me. But it, that could be more an evolution of the beer and an evolution of me rather than a revolution. Maybe, but I think I think at the time we, we had a discussion offline about... Because um, when those cans came through, I, I, I was looking at them and I was reading the ingredients and I noticed that they had listed oats on the ingredients. Yeah, oh yeah. Now, we, we know that oats are used at the moment predominantly in the... Um, the juicier New England style of beers to bring that softer mouth yep. feel, to soften everything down. I don't ever recall seeing oats as an ingredient on the original bottled Axe Edge. Uh, nor do I. So I, I don't know whether they've they have changed it slightly. As you say, maybe it's maybe it's the evolution of the beer mm-hmm. to, to keep up with um, modern trends, modern times. But in a way, I find that quite sad because that's a beer that should have really stood the test of time in, so, in, in terms of it, it, its style in being a West Coast, a pure West Coast IPA. Yeah, um, I would have thought there's still enough of a enough of a market and enough of a love for it, but I could be seeing that through blinkered eyes anyway because it's what I like. But if I think, say, compare it to the closest thing to me for that would be Cannibal. And I think we've gone on record in the last six months and nine months saying how good it's been the f- last few times we've had mm. it. And how, well, when we had it as Cannibal Run, it was tasting absolutely spot on. And that didn't feel like it had changed from the best of it in the previous years as well. So, yeah, I, I would have preferred it to stay. Like I said, it's a beer I'll revisit again. But just felt like I was lacking that little bit of West Coast bitterness at the end I was, I was looking yeah. for. While we're talking about that, one one other beer that I will just mention that I did have after much searching, I did finally find the elusive cans of Jaipur and enjoyed them very much. Uh, Michelle has also located them. They are in the beer cupboard. Um, I haven't cracked them open yet because I fear I that if I... in the cupboard. They should be in the fridge, mate. Have you seen the fridge? No, you can't. No, I'm not, I'm not allowed to see the fridge because it's full of sour beers that I don't know I'm drinking. Exactly. So, um, no, Michelle did a food shop as well at the weekend, so there's actually no room for beer at the moment. I need to get a beer fridge. It um, it does. I mean, it, it tastes cracking uh, out of the can. It's everything that you love about Jaipur. It, it feels as though the bitterness is ramped up a little bit. That the the citrus and the floral is coming through a little bit more. Um, but again, it's one of those things. I don't think you can. I don't think you can really do it and say, "Oh, this is better than the bottle." And unless you've got a can of Jaipur and a bottle of Jaipur that were packaged on the same day. That's what I was going to say. It's got to be the same batch, hasn't it? Yeah. It's got, it's got to be the same batch of beer put into two, two different It's the only packages, way. Yeah. And got, gone through the same outlets. Yeah. Same chain, same cold chain. Yeah. If, or or cold everything the same. Chain, yeah. Whatever the chain but is. The only way you can do it is to be at the end of the, the, the line and to, to have them as they come off. But as, as we've since found out... Um, Thornbridge are sending the Jaipur down to Fourpure to can. Yeah. So it's, it's Fourpure that's doing all their canning. Yeah, so that must be going, down, going down in the tanks then. Yeah. So, so it must be quite a bit, of, you know, with Fourpure doing, putting out new cans themselves. That's a lot of canning operation they're doing. Feels like they're almost becoming a beer factory. A beer factory, yeah. Doesn't it? But, they're just churning out cans of beer for people. But some of the um, some some of the beers I've had from Narisa with their collabs have been good though. So... Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think we mentioned before yeah, the we little creatures. That was cracking. Yeah, portside extra power now. What was that about four point nine? Five hundred mil can. 
That's perfect. Smash that all day long. Perfect for five hundred. Yeah, I, I think didn't, you said it's it's the style of beer that made you fall in love a bit. Exactly, definitely. Right, before we get into the news, I'm going to go and get your second beer. Okay, scary stuff. So we've got the uh, Morello Cherry Goes from One Mile End. Okay, so this has got a, a very different look to it. So yeah, it's got a, a, a subtle pink hue to it, hasn't it? Yeah, almost well, pinky orange. Yeah. Almost yeah. like a pink grapefruit kind of colour. Yeah, I'd say. Right. Cheers. Cheers. A little bit more, um, hint more funk on the nose there. That's really easy to drink. So this has been, uh, you know, this is d- described by the One Mile End. Uh, delicate and fresh sour mash goes conditioned on beautiful Morello cherries to add a bright spritz of tartness. That's probably pretty accurate, to be honest. I'd, I'd go so far as saying that the, 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 the first beer we had was probably tarter than this. Yeah, well, the first beer, um, that was a Berlinerweiss style, as, as it was described. Um, I had some Nelson Seven and Summer Hops, some Pilsner Malt and some wheat in it as well. Okay. Um, clean, refreshing sour ale hops with Nelson Seven from New Zealand and Summer from Australia. Um, a Croatian first. This is perfect for summer drinking, cider drinkers or people who just don't drink beer. Well, so that's, that's that, not, that was the first one. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's not you at all. That's not, <laughs> not, 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 I don't tick any of those boxes. <laughs> but you still didn't mind it? No, I, I quite enjoyed it and I... As, as I said, when it got to the got to the finish, it's definitely a beer that I, th- I think with the, the, the hot summer that we had would have been absolutely perfect to have had almost as a as a refresher between other beers. Definitely, and I mean this one again. So the first one was three point five, and this one's four point two. So so far, it's all quite sensible. Yeah, that's not too bad, actually. Like I said, there's you definitely on the finish. You definitely get the cherry yep. on, on, on the finish. That comes through. Um, but after that, it's just really easy. It's nice, easy drink. But again, it still comes into that. Because sour's quite a big umbrella title, I feel, a lot of the time. Yeah. And you've got quite a few sub-styles. And we'll, we'll come into those as we go through the journey anyway. But I think it's it, some people can have a, you can have a very narrow view of sour sometimes. Mm. But it has to be that lip puckering, suck all the moisture out. And maybe have some of those belgian characteristics that maybe aren't your favourites as well. So, yeah. I'm, like I said, I'm hoping to awaken. So, so, so as it goes, um, should I have been, have been expecting a little bit of saltiness on that as well? Is, is, is that part of the, of the, the style. styling of, of, of goes? Because it, it would seem as though a lot of the goes I've seen, and, and particularly if you think about the one that would probably swing to most people's minds, Salty Kiss. kiss um, they, they do seem to have that salty element. Well, did, having had done a bit of research, so uh, goes. And you've done research. Yeah. That's fucking hell. Wonders never cease. This is what happens when I'm trying to take you on a journey. <laughs> Took me ages, this. Um, goes is a top fermenting beer that originated in Goslar, Germany. This style is characterised by the use of coriander and salt. Okay, so. Fortunately, I'm not getting much of the coriander, I have to admit. And it's made sour by inoculating the wort with lactic acid bacteria before primary alcoholic fermentation. So, yes, it would appear that salt is a bit of a base ingredient. Okay, yeah, so it's, it's listed on the ingredients. Hops, salt, cherries, yeast, barley and wheat. So, with the exception of coriander, they've fairly much kept it. Yeah, but they've used uh, Campot Fleur de Sel. 
So I don't know whether that's. Well, that's a uh, campot. You isn't that like another? Isn't that a posh dessert or something? No idea. Maybe I'll have to look that up at some point. Yeah. But yeah, so at the moment, I feel that this is a uh, you're, you're, you've welcomed this one. I, I am enjoying this one. Um, I'm, I'm feeling for all of the people that are tuning in, expecting to see me grimace because so far that's that, that's two for two that that's not really happened on. I, just so everyone knows, there will be some grimacing. I know what beers are coming up. There will be the odd grimace here and there. Time for the news. Right, so I've never presented the news before, so uh, let's see what happens. You've never presented anything before. I, I, I get to just do what you normally do, sit back and drink. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll, I'll have one of these moments when I've got half a glass left and you're finished. <laughs> yeah, if, if you need me to jump in, just shout, because <laughs> my, my glass might empty quite quickly. So um, we mentioned in the last show that Fullers and Friends um, had teased us about the second iteration of the Fullers and Friends series. And um, they've now provided a bit more detail in their press release. So their second collaborative six-pack of beers, known as Fullers and Friends, they're going a little bit further afield. So um, these beers, which will be sold exclusively in Waitrose, we'll see Fullers collaborate with Magic Rock from England, Pilot from Scotland, Tiny Rebel from Wales, Stone and Wood from Australia, Woodstock from South Africa, and this is probably the surprise, surprise entry, Mac from Norway. Yeah, I think because when... On, on the last show... We were trying to guess, weren't we? It only, literally, it had only just come up on social media didn't that we, we guessed at Sierra Nevada, didn't we? Uh, we we'd said either Sierra, Sierra Nevada or there was going to be... A, we thought there'd be a collaboration between all of them into some sort oh, of mega collab. Mega mashup. Yeah. So, I mean, I know, I know nothing about Mac from Norway. N- neither do so I. So I'll be fascinated to know what sort of style of beer they come up with for this one. Yeah. And, and apparently that's one of the reasons why um, that space was left blank on... Because they tweeted an image of all the ads... Yeah. It's because they're not actually on Twitter, so they couldn't actually tag them into what was going ah, on. So okay. they must be quite small or new, small little. Yeah, interesting that they're on the radar. Yeah, this could be a big. This could be a big deal for them. So what will happen is six of the Fuller's breweries will each partner up with a different brewery to put their heads together and create a different style of beer to go in one six pack. So fairly much, I presume, would be the same as last time. Six bottles. Yeah. Nice little pack. What was it about twelve quid? Um, yeah, twelve pound. I imagine it'd be roughly the same sort of price because there's a bit of a price expectation there now, won't there? I, I think so. I think I think the only way they can maybe justify um, doing it any differently from that would be um, because of, of the expense of bringing brewers in from all over the world, rather than. I don't reckon, I don't reckon they'd better push it too far because, like I said, you've, got, you've created the price point, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. The expectation. Um, so that I mean, I'm looking forward to that, especially brewer that I've never heard of. No, it's, well, it's, it should be good. Woodstock I've heard of, but I don't think I've ever had anything from them. Mac I've never heard of. Stone and Wood, we only get a couple of their beers over here on a regular basis. Um, Tiny Rebel, Pilot and Magic Rock. I'm not looking forward to the Magic Rock collab. Uh, that's, that's, I, uh, that, yeah, I think, think you I said, said that. that last time. That's the one I'm probably really looking forward to. I'm, I'm really hoping that they... Magic Rock can brew an amazing range of styles of beer. But when they turn their hand to like a traditional bitter or a palau, or even a, a porter, or it's it's normally something amazing. Oh yeah, the, the thought of them doing something proper traditional with Fullers does get me a little bit excited. I've got to admit. And uh, sticking with the Fullers theme, actually, we've got Fullers' new Pilot Brewery has been launched. So busy couple of days for the Fullers uh, press team. So they're delighted to announce the launch of its new Pilot Brewery, located in the New Look Brewery Shop. I'm glad they've done something with that brewery shop, because it always looked a bit of a wasted space at times. 
it, it was a big space for big the space. tiny and amount of product that they had in it. It felt like it was a bit of a storeroom as well at times, yeah. rather than being a proper a proper space. Um, so this is going to give them the chance to create some experimental beers in small quantities. The new plant produces around 10 barrels, slash 40 firkins of beer per brew, which can be packaged in bottle, cask or keg. That still doesn't help us, does it? No, exactly. I don't know what 40 firkins comes After, after we got the, the, the help from um, Sean, Sean on, on the last one to help us what, what a hectare yeah. was, that doesn't help us at all. Sean? You're yeah. up again. Can you please start telling us things in pints? Yeah, I can do pints. Yeah. Um, so that, that and this is a four fermentation tanks, external water boiler, infusion mash tun, two bright beer tanks, all in their bottle shop, all wow. in their beer shop. That's quite. They've, ma- they've made some good use of that space. Yeah, that's creative, isn't it? I think if if you think is that, that bit, I'm thinking that bit at the back. And I was the, just about saying the bit at the back because you, you go in that shop and all the beers at the front. Yeah. You're never going to go any further back. No. And it did seem like there was a lot of lot of what was essentially kind of store space. Surely they've got to open a little bar there to drink on site. Oh, you'd think, wouldn't you? you imagine that. You do the tour, and right, you've had a few drinks at the hot bar, but you're limited on the amount of time there because the next tour turns up. Then they always direct you to the bottle sh- the shop anyway because you have to practically yeah. go past it. If you've got a pilot kit in there, a little bar as well, right beside the right beside yeah. the, uh, the tanks, I'd, I'd stop. I, I would. I it's got to be worth it. We'll trademark that. <laughs> yeah, we'll sell that idea to Fuller's. Yeah. Um, so Hayley Marler, one of Fuller's shift brewers, has been managing the installation and the first brews in the Pilot Brewery. The first five beers to be brewed and packaged in the plant are Beer One at 7%, a strong ale based on the Golden Pride recipe. Ooh. Ooh nice. Ooh. And I just want to say at this point as well, I remember seeing a picture of it, but if, if Riverman Brews aren't all over the fact that that beer is called Beer One... And they're not looking to feature that on a future podcast. Then they're missing then, a trick. Then they are missing a massive trick. Um, yeah, because again, in my head, I've now got the tune. Yeah. Beer number one. Yeah. And you can have that one on us, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, Galaxy Pale, a 4% ABV, a pale ale made with Galaxy Hops. Then they've got one for you, Steve, a grapefruit IPA. Nice. 5.7% made with real grapefruit peel and juice. Ooh. Then we've got a Thai Stout at 4.8% made with Thai mm. spices and a New England IPA at 5.5% in which the brewers experimented with cryo-hops. Probably not something they've done very often, I imagine. No, I mean... I'm excited about beer one. Yes. Galaxy Pale, I reckon that would just be a nice, sessionable beer. Grapefruit IPA, I'd probably look forward more to than you. Um, Thai Stout, mm, spicy beers can be a bit funny sometimes. Yeah. New England IPA, I reckon that might be on the right side for me. But definitely beer one. The beer based one sounds based amazing. On, based on Golden Pride. Yeah, and if, if they're going to be available in bottles, I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to be up on the Fuller's website. I wouldn't mind um, get, getting our hands on some of those. We might have a bit of a shifty of those. Yeah. So, yeah, but it sounds really exciting. I mean, it's, they're really maxing out the space these days yeah. at, uh, at Fuller's, aren't they? Yeah, because it's, it's coming up to that time of year when we'll be put, putting in our annual order for our, our box of 12 <laughs> vintage owls. <laughs> Have, de- have delivered next door to your, your work. Yeah, as, as people might know, Fuller's deliver free to their own uh, pubs and I've got one either side of work, so it makes it very handy for you, me and Clayton, our creative director. Yeah, when, when we get into our uh, vintage <laughs> owl ordering for the year. Well, we need one for the end of the year. Of course, of course we do. Have it fresh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so from Cladwater, so co-founder and head brewer moves on. So James Cow- Campbell has left Cladwater to pursue other interests. 
Um, this was uh, this went out in one of the Cloudwater regularly do regularly post blogs, and um, so I suppose he, he's co-founder's been there since the start. So yeah, it sounds like he's off to pursue different interests and new interests, and um, they wish him all the very best. Yeah, I think from from reading that it was quite interesting because I think it, it, it sounds like he's literally it, he maybe feels as though he's done all he can do there. And and the blog, as as always, I mean, the the blogs that Paul puts out for Cloudwater are normally quite informative. Yeah, and and they're, they're they're well thought out and well written. And he goes on saying that saying there that I think at the moment they're not looking to actually replace the head brewer, but yet they've got enough confidence in the um, knowledge and expertise that James has given to the team that they don't actually need that head brewer figure, and that, and they're just going to get on with without it for now. Well, if they think they can make it work and. You know, James has passed on so much of his uh, his uh, knowledge and stuff, and they've got a settled team. Then why not give it a go? And someone might rise to the fore anyway, just, yeah. just through nat- natural natural being. And some people might want to do a bit more. Some people might want to do a bit less. It happens in a lot of workplaces, doesn't it? Absolutely. See what comes up. Um, a bit of sad news, actually. Um, and this was a place where Steve and I only visited the once. Uh, Sentinel Brew House in Sheffield. So. It was one of the latter stops on the Crimbo Crawl last year, but we, I remember it. It was the stop before the Rutland Arms. It was the, yeah. In fact, it's Sentinel Brew House then, but tipped me over the edge. Um, so basically, they put out um, a post uh, on Twitter. We're gutted, have to announce the closure of a bar, Sentinel Brew House, with immediate effect. Sentinel Brewery continues to trade. Details below. Um, so that you know, they've, they've gone on to say what's going on, etc. But yeah, I I, it, I couldn't tell you where exactly it was because it was to that point of the day. Yeah. But I do remember it being a nice space. It's quite a big space, actually. It's a very big space. You had a nice bar area. Then you had a seated area. On the other side of the glass was the brewery. And before I knew it, Carl, was, Carl the bearded one, was already in, in the brewery bit. Um, talking technical, I imagine. Yeah. And um, it just it had a nice feel about it. A couple of beers I had there I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, so yeah, it's a shame. But sometimes if it just doesn't click and people don't turn up I mean they're not going to make much of us turning up once every so often are they I mean no because as you say the, the, the brewery itself only occupied a very small amount of yeah. space and I, I'm actually not going to go into much more detail on this because um, Chef Hotcast on their most recent Half Pint episode did go into quite a bit oh, of okay. detail on this in terms of what they thought and some of the reasons they thought maybe that it, it was closing um, so, they're, they're closer to it than we and, are and they, 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 yeah it's right on their patch so what we'll do is we'll put a link in our show notes yeah. to that most recent Half Pint episode and, and I suggest having a listen to that because as I say they're much more informed than, than we are we're basically going off of a tweet and a, a picture of a letter that's yeah. in the tweet so yeah, sad, sad to hear, and I hope everyone gets themselves sorted out in, in due course as well. Yeah, and always with these situations that you do hope all the staff are, yeah. are there's okay. A, there's, a, there's a human element to this. Yeah, and able to move on to something else. And lastly, and this one was uh, well, fairly much dropped, dropped today for us, um, great British and world beers are coming to M&S. So, craft beer specialist Real Limited has helped M&S develop a new international range and expand its regional can lineup as it also helped with the creation of a Christmas gift pack of own label canned beers now these beers are in the style which some people may have got used to because we've already had the American pale ale the laid back yeah. pale ale the, the design is the same 330ml can single colour yeah. script right in 
and different breweries producing the beer. The you know the picture of the box and stuff. They're all colourful cans. I I think their their Christmas offering will fly off the shelves. To be honest, it's quite a nice gift pack to somebody that's just getting into beer. Yeah, or even if or people, somebody that likes beer. Yeah, and and they don't know what to get. And they go, oh, well, he likes beer like this. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'd much rather have one of those than one of the uh, the Marsdens. You mean the one that I said that I got? <laughs> yeah, one one of those. I would definitely take that <laughs> over those. Um, but you know, not only are they are they doing this under their own labels and stuff, you know, they're also going to be working with uh, McKellar, Scarbrewing, Six Point, oh, twelve pack of resin. Happy Christmas! <laughs> <laughs> that will see you. That will get rid of Boxing Day for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bear Republic, Armisen, Iger, and Hardywood, and also Real Ale has worked to extend the retailers' regional brands from breweries such as More Beer, Brick Brewing, Brick Brewery, and North Brewing. Wow, that's that's some names under Marks and Spencer's belt now. Yep. I mean, I, I saw a tweet over the weekend. Somebody said, um, I think it was uh, Nate, Nate Southwood, said he, he was in M&S and he, he put a picture up and he was like, McKellar and Marks and Spencer's. And I was literally like, what? I would never, ever thought that would happen. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. And, and all the others, I mean, the, a lot of the conversation today around this particular story has been around Bear Republic and it's, yeah. it's Race of Five that they're bringing yeah. in. Will we get these beer? Will, will this beer be... How, how fresh? Yeah. Is it, is, is, it, is it going to be on the hoppy side of, of Race of Five, which is a, a one one of the best examples of West Coast IPA you're going to find? Or is it going to have tipped over that edge where it's turned into a malt bottle? Well, it depends. I mean, it's not like M&S don't know about cold storage. With their refrigerated units and their refrigerated container lorries, they know about refrigeration. If they're going down this route, you'd really hope they've also joined the dots on the drink now as well, because yeah. we've all we've all we've all picked up a ropey one from M&S. A lot of us have, with the odd out of date or on the shelf for too long. But a lot of their stuff at stations is actually in fridges as well. Yeah, yeah. A lot. Of the I mean, I, I mean, the Liverpool Street Station it's a limited selection, but. Um, the more more stuff they can get in the fridges, especially with some of these offerings, would be fantastic. Yeah, some of these ones would be great in the fridges. Getting you know, going there and getting some Bear Republic. It's, it's exciting again. I mean, it's it's the whole supermarket thing again, isn't it? And we are going to come on to it later because I know somebody asked a um, a question later on in our question oh. section about has the supermarkets game been upped again? And and I think we're seeing this. McKellar in Marks and Spencers. I know. Who, who would have thought? Yeah, I know. And they've, you know, they've got further pictures actually. You know, Moda's Hopperanda. I remember having that years yeah. ago and thinking, oh, I love this beer. But it wasn't actually that easy to get hold of unless I did do online ordering. Yeah. Um, just, Brace of five. Just, just in that image alone, there's four McKellar beers. Yes. Yeah. So McKellar must be ramping up their um, production then as well if they're going to be supplying M&S stores over here. Well, they've got the they've got the permanent brewery in the States now, haven't they? Um, I don't know whether they've now got a permanent European base as well because I, I always thought that Mikella's European brewing was cuckoo. Yeah, that's what I thought. So they must have it. If they're doing all of this, then where are they doing it? Unless, <laughs> unless they found another beer factory. Maybe there's a beer factory out there <laughs> canning it for them. Maybe four people are doing it. Who knows? Yeah. And we've both finished the uh, the Morello Cherry Goes from One Mile End. What's your final thoughts there? Uh, really drinkable. I, I'd say in terms of drinkability more drinkable than the first one okay it hasn't got that same sharpness at the end no I could drink I could drink another of those straight off or I could have maybe drunk a whole bottle of that rather than sharing it yeah quite easily and then maybe felt like I could have done another one we have a Belgian beer 
So Here Mort's, we go. Mort's a beat, and um, it's a Goose Lambic. It's a four and a half percent beer, and um, one of the re- one of the reasons why I chose this beer is because not only do I like it, but it's um, got the same name as one of my favourite bars, not just in Brussels, not just in Belgium, but in the whole world. Okay, Mort's a beat bar. I think Mort's a beat, if I remember correctly, is um, means sudden death, which I thought was quite you know appropriate for you. But um, it's actually named after a card game they used to play in the, in, in, in the war years, apparently. It's a lovely Art Deco. Bar. Okay, so I'm, I'm already nervous about this one because of the, the, the two words that describe it. I'll pour that badly because it's a small bottle. <laughs> so, there you go. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. What is... There's nothing leaping out on the nose there. No, it's quite bready, actually. Bready, if if you give it a really good... There is that little Belgian Belgian-iness in the background. Oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> so, as I said, this is... Um, this is 4.5%. <laughs> this is 4.5%. Um so this is I think also that breadiness there's a this has got um, it's a wheat beer effectively okay so basically I've given you a Belgian-y wheaty lamb Stout goose beer. brilliant um, everything that I want in a glass yeah um, it's it doesn't really give you like it's blessed with a sourish sweetness are you getting that I'm getting a definitely like a sweetness sourish sweetness um, that subtle sweet sourness, whatever the case, everyone apparently agrees on its wonderfully perky finish. I don't think it's wonderfully perky. Is it not making you feel wonderfully perky at the no, moment? No, it's it. It certainly doesn't have the um, the sharp, crisp finish of the, of the previous two, um, which I've quite enjoyed. Yeah. In both those, I've, I've enjoyed that really cutting finish. What what this does have is it's got a lot more of that face puckering sourness to it oh yeah definitely kind of that almost that um, it's a bit of a go-to phrase that I use quite a lot with sour beers but it's like someone's crushed up a packet of refreshers and poured them into my beer so Lambic beer spontaneously fermented beer made in the Patenton land region around Brussels which I have said wrong I know that already Um, what is left to cool overnight in the cool ship where it is exposed to the open air during the winter and the spring Placed into barrels to ferment and mature, most lambics are blends of several seasons batches such as goose or are secondary fermented with fruits such as creek and framboise. As such, pure unblended lambic is quite rare and few bottled examples exist. And that, I mean, for me, the um, obviously one of the most popular ones for me is the lambic is, um, is Cantillon. You know, they're, they're done traditionally overnight, cool ship, exposed to the open air, spontaneously fermented. And we, we will do, I will get you to the Cantillon Brewery one day. Oh, I, is that not just going to be a wasted trip? No, no, because they have more than the, the lip puckering type of beer. We won't go to when there's anything going on. Okay. Just a standard day. Okay. There's, can we go somewhere that sells like proper beer as well after? Okay, we are in <laughs> Belgium, so I can try and find those. <laughs> Okay, so we'll get some Brussels beer project beers down, yeah. That'll do. I'll, I'll take that because they do. They they do some nice hoppy ones and some nice stouts as well. All right. So, um, I, I mean, I'm quite. I I like I like that. I could actually drink a few of those. Yeah, I couldn't. I will. 
definitely draw the line at this half of the bottle (laughs) that you've you've poured for me. Um, Yeah, I'm struggling a little bit more with this one. Okay. Well, like I said, it had to be a journey. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I appreciate that. So I'm um, I'm happy with the two out of three marks so far anyway. The the Belgian influences... In tonight's beer, were always going to be my tougher one. I, I don't, I don't think it's it's necessarily it, it's not the Belgian influence in there because I'm beginning to get quite used to that as a flavour. Yeah, uh, even though Belgian isn't a flavour, but they, it's on untapped. It's on untapped. We know what we mean when yeah. we say it. Um, We've done that for you, Miles. I, th- I think I, th- I think more for me, it's probably kind of those honey sweet notes that you get some sometimes the breadiness, all, all of those sorts of things, which is very prevalent there. in this beer. Yeah. That's all in there, but then it's then it's got that sour edge to it, so it's it, 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 that balance isn't necessarily working for for me. Okay, I mean, um, I, I when I went to Centre Parks, um, I did do a little bit of a scan. Some a lot of the beers for tonight's show, over half of them would come from beers of Europe. As I was, I said I was close. It was about forty five minutes drive away. Close, closer than you are now. Closer than I am now. Yeah. I thought well, I've got to go and have a little visit. Opinions of Opinions, opinions, opinions. Which term do you think is more alienating to the casual drinker? Real ale or craft beer? Uh, again, this, this garnered quite a lot of votes and engagement. It, it did. Um, I kind of thought it would. I, I, I thought this was definitely one of those that would throw the cat firmly amongst the pigeons. Well, well you succeeded. Um, <laughs> so 47% felt real ale alienated the casual drinker 53% of you said craft beer and we had a total of 616 votes it was it was a good one in, in terms of people getting involved there was a lot of comments and engagement early on yeah so um, we'll just start running through a few before we get into our into our thoughts Kerry Jones at says John hmm that's a tough one because depending on your definition craft beer could include real ale I thought that was a good one to start with yeah yeah, very good shout straight away. And I think I saw a couple of um, comments similar to that one as well, where you could easily mix the, the real ale into craft beer. I, I have to say that a lot of the comments had a very similar theme to them. Oh, yeah. But were just said in very different ways. Yeah. So from Andrew Sheldon at Tavare Fan Club, has to be craft. Casual drinkers expect to see a couple of hand pups, even if they never contemplate ordering from them. I thought that was quite a good point as well. Yeah. See so if... Someone was their idea of a, a pub, so not a bar, tap room, that kind of stuff. Free hand pumps is like a, a minimum, isn't it? Sort of thing. They're very, you know, the ornate ones, the proper handle, yeah, little brass, knobbly bit at the top, that kind of thing. So I thought well, that, well, that yeah. was quite a good one. I, I was I, I was away at the weekend as well, and I, I was in a, a small village on the Suffolk coast that had one pub. In, in, in the village and, and that was the first thing I looked for when I went in, in the pub were where are the hand pumps and, and what's on yeah. and, and, and thankfully it was all kind of real local breweries to, to where they were um, but yeah that's that's kind of what you you do expect that yeah. when you walk into a British pub yeah. even if you like you say you might not have anything from there yeah so from John at Beer in the Suburb people know what real ale is I like the use of the inverted commas there I love that Oh, that's that's a proper poker camera. Yeah, there. craft um, hand pumps and British styles that have been around for generations. But craft beer, who knows what craft beer is anyway? Another observation: my colleagues know I like beer. One of them asked me about it briefly and asked if I drink things like Landlord and Tribute. Those beers are in the consciousness of the public. 
The Vacation Yeasty Boys Blueberry Waffle Stout I'm currently drinking are not. All valid points, actually. That they are, and in, but in relation to that 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 last point, I'd I'd almost disagree because that that beer he's drinking is currently available in Tesco's, and it's on the shelf in Tesco's next to in a lot of Tesco's that are actually stocking that particular beer. It's literally on the the next row of shelves next to your traditional bottled owls. Mm, I still reckon a lot of people would bypass it. I think they would. Not even notice it, perhaps. Yeah. But I still, I think the, the, the bulk of that was still valid points. JT at Ale Metal. Lots of drinkers, in my experience, associate the term real ale with warm, flat, brown, eggy drinks. Now, Steve, why have you got a Twitter handle called Ale and Metal? <laughs> it's not That's me. That's what I want to know. I mean, come on. I, I, I wouldn't have used the word eggy. I would have used twiggy. Come on. <laughs> let's, let, let's be honest. But that that is the flip side of it. That, that when you go into the bar and you expect to see those hand pumps, you generally do expect to see the same old beers on them. You expect to see IPA or Doom or London Pride. I'm not putting London Pride into the flat, flat brown eggy. It can be if it's not looked after yeah. properly. But those, those are generally the pump clips that you expect to see. Yeah. And if you see anything different then maybe your previous experience of one of those beers being served badly will put you off of trying. Oh yeah, definitely. Else. Well we've said that before and you know that's the downside of, of, of cask, isn't it? Yeah. Um so from Sean O'Reilly, our um our number cruncher. Our, our soon to be exclusive number cruncher. Yeah, yeah, we're still working on when, the when on the, the details, aren't we? Opens, yeah. Um Uncreela. Definitely craft beer. Casual drinkers know what real ale is or think they do. Hand pumps and boring brown beer. I know it's actually much more than that. Craft beer is an unknown and difficult to fathom with all its myriad of styles. Again, I mean, it's a valid thing. I think it, actually what he's written here is know what real ale is or think they do. Yeah. Again, real it's, ale. it's the hand pumps. Yeah. It's, it's, it? yeah. Even just the dispense method straight away. So when people say to me about drinking beer and they see me drinking anything other, if we go to the pub and I, I decide I want, you know, I don't know, a London Pale Ale or Camden Hells because of the pub I'm in. They go, I didn't think you drank that stuff. I thought you only drank. And they actually, they mean the brown beer. Yeah. That's what they think straight away. That's that's what most people, that's what the people I work with generally tend to think of. Um, craft beer, tabloids, and that recent weird little attack on overpriced murky rubbish <laughs> definitely showed a bit of resistance towards the term craft beer. It's kind of hand in hand with higher prices in your casual drinker's mind. And that's from Jamie H at Merchant of Shite. What do you think about that one? Again, I think it, I think it's it, it, it's right what you're saying. He summed up what quite a lot of people said actually is is, is that there does seem to be uh, this view towards craft beer of it being, for want of a better phrase, hipsterish and overpriced and mm-hmm. fizzy cold stuff, which is. You take it back all those many years. That was everything that the camera were fighting against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can definitely, I can definitely see it. I mean, um, I suppose it's a good time to ask. Um, what, what, what was your, what was your view, Steve? If you were answering this not in your pseudonym of Alien Metal, <laughs> what would your? Um, it's it's actually a really tough one to to answer, and and I think had again were I able to have an opinion on this. I think I probably might have been, and I'm inter- it's interesting that we didn't get this comment that you almost needed a third option of 
People have stopped asking us for that. Well, they both do in, in, in their own way. I think I am, am of the mind that I think real ale, I'm sometimes put off by those two words being together because, again, if I go back to the, the, the pub that I was in over the weekend, they, they had four hand pumps. They were all local breweries, which were brilliant. And then they had four hand pumps coming off the top of the bar as well that had labels like pump clips on them as well. And were it not for me being warned again by Nate that those beers were... In, they were bag in a box beers. I might have ended up one of those with one of those, which would, would have essentially been a flat gravity beer, and yeah, I, yeah. I would have been very upset at that. So I, I stuck to the hand pumps. So, so I think sometimes Real Al hasn't done itself any favours for for all the good it's done. Maybe it's not Real Al. Maybe it's the way it's kept, the way it's presented, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. The flip side of that argument is that I think craft beer has become probably nothing more than a marketing term and the world and his wife are trying to produce craft beers and you know we've and craft everything we've, yeah we've seen in the last two years that even a can of Foster's now is, is, has been crafted since yeah. the no one brews no one nobody brews. brews anymore everybody crafts now yep. and, and I think so, so it's been a bit of a victim of its own success in terms of the term and what that term has gone on to mean yeah I mean I think we talked about it one of the earlier shows about what we understood it to be and I think everyone has their own idea about what the word craft means um, for me it's almost if it's not macro and it's not real ale it's almost craft now yeah agree. W- without thinking too much about things like the independence and the size of the brewery and the lots of love and the unicorn tears etc it's it's all that's how it is now yeah for me I think I think that was summed up quite nicely by, by James at Gammon Baron, and that's his uh, that's his second mention again tonight. Oh, he's on it, isn't it? We're going to have to we're going to have to watch this. Um, one has the the largest single issue consumer single issue consumer group in the UK behind it since 1971. The other didn't form United Craft Brewers, half of which wouldn't be members now. One is undervalued, but the ma- mainstream media never report it. The other is the mainstream media can't get enough of saying how expensive it is by the pint. I think that sums up quite a lot of it, yeah. quite succinctly. Yeah, nicely crafted there. Yeah, very very well crafted there, James. Um, so from Miles Lambert, personally I feel a bit taken aback when people say I drink real ale. Whilst it's true, I do, it doesn't really represent the scope of what I drink. That's a bit like what I was saying a few yeah. minutes ago, isn't it? At the same time, the term craft now offends me. Far too many users of the term don't really represent the ideology of what I want the beer I drink to be. Long term, I think there's a need for a better term. I've heard the term indie beer bandied about, which is closer to what craft originally applied to in the UK. Interesting that supermarkets use both terms in their aisles, making a distinction between them, even when I'm not sure they're correct in their application. And again, uh, you mentioned that as well. I mean, uh, they do. um, They probably have to, just to... separate it out and have the little price point differences that may or may not exist so I think that we were between us we've fairly much said a lot of what what Miles yeah. put put together there I mean if I if I had voted I don't think I did on this one I can't remember um, I probably would have said because of some of the Raylau tend in, in, to the casual drinker Raylau rarely gets negative press whereas craft beer obviously recently has got a bit of negative mm. press with prices um, and a couple of buyouts as well, you know, again, 
probably only care about it if you're in the in the craft beer bubble or beer bubble. And um, I, I think real ale is probably less alienating, but yes, the term real ale is what's also kept camera from moving forward as well. They were too successful in embedding that term, I think. Yeah. And I think that's that's what's holding them back from embracing just beer is that real ale. You can still champion great cask beer, but that whole thing is as long as it says it's real ale, it almost doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, and I, I think there's a, there's a comment here that actually really um, lends itself to what you just said there. So this is uh, from Rob's Beer Odyssey at Rob's Beer Odyssey. The term real ale is controlled by an organisation, Camera, while craft beer is used by anyone who wants it. The latter's subjectivity is diluted further by big beer using it for craft brands. It's a bit like premium used by advertisers to confuse or sway customers. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, actually. That's a really good point, actually. So, Beers Without Frontiers podcast at beers underscore frontiers. Craft beer, exclamation mark. (laughs) The casual drinker thinks it is overpriced hipster juice. In these times of austerity, the casual drinker wants something familiar, something affordable, and it has to be in a pint glass, and presumably not cost £22. Well, well no, but again, you know, and this, this has been well reported in, in, in some of the other podcasts that, that certainly I listen to have done this now, um, about it was, who was it? that we, we didn't cover that story because it happened while we were on our summer break, yep. and we don't want to give that particular rag any airtime anyway. But I think it was, was it Tiny Rebel who put together that infographic of um, things that shouldn't be sold by the pint? Yeah. And how much they would actually cost if they were. So like a pint of Chanel would cost almost two grand or something. More than that, yeah. A pint of printer ink yeah. would, would cost X hundred but you pounds. Don't, but you don't measure it in pints. No. And and you shouldn't measure craft beer in pints yeah. either. Although on that point, slight tangent, as, as we've been known to, I read an article recently about, someone had written a blog about it, about, and obviously that 20, recent £22 thing, uh, Speedway Stout. Yeah. And the one, I was reading the article, and there were some really good points, but the one which really stood out for me is the point that the blogger wrote, saying that the really astonishing thing was how come that Speedway Stout cost X amount of times more than Speedway Stout, the original version. And he said, I'm not sure there's enough difference between the two to warrant that price point change. And that's what he was actually questioning, is what exactly did they do extra but cost so much more to make their beer cost so much more? Because as far as I know, they're they're only different coffee versions. They haven't been barrel-aged in anything, have they? No, no. So, because it was quite a leap. Again, you wouldn't buy a pint of it, generally. But it's those sort of things that, People aren't ready to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah. That it might cost. Even when we talk about a £7 bottle of beer. For a lot of people still, if I said that, I've, you know, I've got I've bought a few bit bottles of beer. How much did it cost? I'll, I spent £15 on two bottles. Maybe, well, why didn't you just buy a six-pack? You know, it makes no sense. No. So, Sheffield Hopcast. The alienation starts at the source due to the misunderstanding or misuse of the term. The two terms aren't mutually exclusive, which sort of goes back to the first the first one. Real ale is craft beer. It's like saying, do you like cars or Lamborghinis? So craft beer is the one of the two that doesn't have a proper de- definition. Sheffield Hopcast. 
I think I think I think we know that. I think and I think that's maybe some of what's what's always going to damage craft beer is that you can't actually define it. Yeah, well, there is no definition for it in the UK right now. I did like um, Clayton's attempt at offering us a definition, though. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, he's made it simple for us. So, from from at Clayfish, uh, it was simpler in the old days. Craft, I like my beers to taste like pine resin. Real Al, I like my beers to taste like the whole hedge. I just thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I think someone came back to him today as well, and he was just saying this was my my attempt at a it's a bit of a irony and sarcasm. Yeah, to be honest, but yeah, I, I admit it did make me chuckle, and I think he was in there straight away with that one. That was an he, early he one. He was he was in straight away. Yeah, because often he's uh, put put his one out about nine o'clock the well, next day. Yeah, and he's like, "Have I missed out?" Yeah, yes, mate. You've, we're we're you've, recording. You've missed it. Yeah. Um, and so then we had uh, from Rich Caller at our caller. I found it much easier getting people interested in craft beer than into real ale, especially now we have some decent craft lagers. I think that's probably a good point, but you'd probably just buy them a lot. You'd probably just say, here, do you want to try a new lager? I don't know if I'd call it a craft lager. Would you? Uh, I No, and I really don't like the term craft lager because that is something that the, the big macros have picked up on yeah. and are very much used as a marketing term. Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, we've already... Cronenberg and, and Stella have been using the premium quality for a long time, haven't they? Yeah. So we've also got uh, from Mark Johnson. So both alienate others equally in brackets I didn't vote and it's worth noting that both were coined by the drinkers and creators of the two themselves internally creating the alienation and perceived exclusivity to which point uh, Neil Fletcher at Neilios 31 said I agree they alienate I also don't like the fact that craft is used to describe keg beer in many situations and then Mark Johnson at Mark and Johnson came back that confusion just shows the meaninglessness of the word even my local who tend to know their stuff originally thought craft just meant keg so you can see how the mass market would think so too uh neil said yes it's all a bit of a muddle i i found that whole exchange fascinating i i, I really did because um you know we've we've spoken many times about mark is, is is very passionate when he when he comes to his beer and obviously very knowledgeable as well and as as, as, as worked in in a bar and is as, as much loyalty to a single bar as well yeah um but for him to say things like that that even that you know his local didn't just just label this thing as craft purely because it was in a keg yeah yeah that says for me it's almost it's almost become everything that isn't macro generally keg with a few of their cask offerings and real ale and everything else sort of ticks craft box almost yeah, but that's probably not the original intention, and probably wasn't how people in coined it to start off with. That's that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, just to sum this one up, Mike McGuire at McGuire Mike uh, had a good stab at this one as well. So, casual drinker, beer snob, micro macro craft, real ale, keg, cast, can, bottle, or growler. It doesn't matter. It's a label. If you enjoy the beer in your mouth, fair play to you. I hate labels. And there we leave it. Indeed. Thank you to everyone who uh, voted and passed comments. Again, we haven't read out all the comments we received because there was a there was a lot. Uh, but I think that's the general flavour of it, wasn't it, that we got? It, it was, but just picking up on what you, you say there, we, we don't read out all the comments, but there is always a link in the show notes to the question. 
So if you ever did want to go in and read all of the comments, you just have to click on that link and it will take you to our original tweet with the question and all of the responses that you can read from that point on. So, um, and we do always encourage people to continually get involved as well. Yeah, but again, thank you. 616 votes. Yeah, that's, that, that's a big one. That's up there, probably top five. I was going to say it's going to be top in, five. In terms of listener and audience engagement. Definitely. Right, I have been to the fridge. Okay, so the fourth beer out of the fridge is from Fierce, um, and they're based in Aberdeen. Uh, I thought Aberdeen had been trademarked for by another brewery. <laughs> Never mind. Um, so this is a zesty sour ale at 4.5%. It's tangerine tart. So again... I'm hoping to pull it back after the Mortzer beat didn't quite win you over. No. Everyone loves the sound of a can. I'm um I'm a little bit surprised so far actually because I I honestly just thought you had gone for a whole load of like the Belgian sour lambics and we were going to have a whole load of bottles and corks and things and I was going to be on the floor clutching my chest. See, I knew that I knew that's what you'd be expecting. You see. And that was the whole point. I didn't want to... I, I want to challenge your expectations. Okay. I, I want to, you know, to coin a phrase from someone who said, I'm going to try and bulldoze your expectations. Cheers. Cheers. Well, you definitely hit the tangerine on the nose. Yes, that's, that's quite sharp, tangerine. It hits you straight away. Okay, tangerine on the uh, flavour as well. Ooh, sour face. Oh, there it is. Sour face. We've got a sour oh. face. Ooh, that's still there. Okay, so, as I said, this is Fierce Beer Tangerine Tart. Um, so this is a sour ale, obviously. Uh, Chinook Cops, 4.5%. IBU, a whopping 15. Whoa, that's up there, isn't it? Um, this is also vegan-friendly, and apparently they describe it as cuddly, juicy, and zesty on the outside, but with a sour finish that comes out of nowhere and grabs you like a hungry wolf. But there's nothing cuddly about that. <laughs> That, 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 that isn't cuddling you. That's pushing you out of the door. So you're saying this is like a gremlin when they're not cuddly at all? Yeah, absolutely. Someone's fed this after midnight. <laughs> well, I do think that flavour's coming out nicely. I think that tangerine on the nose is lovely. Oh, no, that's... But also, I also wanted to show you that it's not just Belgium sour beers in my life as well. And also, cans. Yeah, because that's, that's our second can. Second can yeah, of sour beer. You, you weren't expecting cans, were you, to feature? Uh, no, I, I wasn't, actually. I was, I, like I say, I was expecting... More corks and stuff. I was expecting big bottles of horrific flavours and things that would have me in hospital being pumped out <laughs> for a week uh, afterwards. So a bit more information about uh, the, the sour beer, or sour beers in general. So sour beer is a beer which has been intentionally has an intentionally acidic, tart or sour taste. The most common sour beer styles are Belgian, Lambitz, Goose, Flanders Red Ales. I don't think you mind Flanders Red Ales normally, do you? I, I enjoy a Flanders Red Ale. So, so like a Rodenbach and stuff. The Rodenbach Grand Cru is one of the ones you brought to Bottle Show, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, I think it's because I enjoy a glass of red wine as well. And I, I do find a, a, a Flanders Red has a lot of characteristics that are quite similar to, to, to red wine. Yeah. So I think that's probably why I'm able to, to, to handle those a little bit more because I'm, they're flavours and uh, they're very, that, they that can I enjoy. Very, very deep yeah. flavours, can't they? Like a, like a rich red wine. Um, at one time, all beers were sour to some degree. 
as pure yeast cultures were not available. The starter used from one batch to another usually contained some wild yeast and bacteria. Unlike modern brewing, which is done in a sterile environment to guard against the intrusion of wild yeast. Sour beers are made by intentionally allowing wild yeast strains or bacteria to grow bacteria into the brew. Traditionally, Belgian brewers allowed wild yeast to enter the brew naturally through the barrels or during the cooling of the wort in a cool ship open to the outside air, an unpredictable process that many modern brewers avoid. However, we have got a modern brewer beer coming up which uses that. Okay. Just just for you. So um, what's, what's the difference then between a, a naturally soured beer and a kettled sour? How, how, what? So, I thought you might ask me this. <laughs> so there's actually a really good article recently in um, Good Beer Hunting about this. Uh, because a few years ago, when we started to see kettle sours coming out, people thought, are they cheating? Effectively, you know, the the, the Belgian brewers got this lovely long tradition that the, the, they're open to the wild, they're then stored in barrels or fermented in the bottles. This isn't a quick process. You have to take love, time. You can't just rush it. And obviously kettle sours are a much quicker process because yeah. they're deliberately introducing the bacteria in a much more controlled fashion is effectively what they're doing so the whole point behind is that it could be very simply it's it's space time money all those things but also what i think you'll find now with some kettle sounds is that it's a really good introduction to the style because i find uh, personally i wouldn't introduce there'd be no point in me doing the first beer tonight being a lambic from or goose from a canteen and just slapping it down saying right here's a 750 bottle we're going to go through this that would have finished you off before we got to bit to I the second beer you probably would have been doing the show on your own yeah it would have been a solo, that, yeah. solo effort so what I find is that some of, with the with the kettle souring that because they're able to do it more controlled therefore they can do it regularly that you are starting to get those sort of processes where people can start to rely on them and I think this is where you're starting to get some of these lighter ABVs as well from the from the kettle sours but yeah there was a really we'll put it in the show notes when I say we I mean Steve uh, we'll put it in the show notes um, it was called don't call it a shortcut the long lasting impact of quick sour beer so so, so literally is it a case of so, so we know with like a more traditionally sour beer it's, it's left to the elements and they, they, they allow wild yeah. things to get in it and turn yeah. it sour with a kettle sour beer, I'm assuming that they're, they're literally they're just pouring a vial of I, sour culture into that it. bit. I don't know, but they are introducing the bacteria directly into the beer, yeah, and they're doing it in a much more controlled fashion. Um, and they want to do it over a shorter space of time as well. And so, there isn't your long maturation processes going on either in wooden folders or in the bottle, yeah, etc. You know, I might be wrong, but I'm guessing that the cans at least haven't gone through that sort of process, you know, a three and a half percent and a four and a half percent, I'm not sure you'd be bunging these into a barrel for any particular reason. Yeah. And uh, definitely no secondary fermentation going on in the can. Well, um, I mean, that's one that I'm genuinely interested in. So if there is anybody out there that that, uh, yeah. that, that knows, um, let, let us know the, the answer. Use the hashtag opinions and uh, we'll, we'll obviously pick it up and, and, and feature it on the next show. Well, we're going we're to carry on drinking this one. And uh, we're, we're going to get into... Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter and lingerness. Write it down. 
how yeah. come there is a lot there is a lot of bitter and lingerness and I, I've looked at some of them and I'm going to just go through the whole lot here so because because it's, it's gone mad it has gone mad I've, I've got to say and I'm I'm thrilled at the moment at the level of listener engagement that, that we get because this, this section of the, of, of the show all comes on the back of people listening to the previous show or previous shows well it was almost an and a- then commenting it was almost an accidental section it was originally, yeah, yeah. Um, because we just had the odd comment, and but the odd comment became regular comments, and now it's well, it's a, a firm fixture now. It is indeed. It's got its own, uh, got its own theme tune and everything. Exactly. So busy weekend last week, so I'm a week late listening to the beer o'clock show. Shame on you. While racking up my cider and drinking my Magic Rock Bruco Dark Arts Homebrew Clone. Honoured and surprised to have my whole hectolitre tutorial read out. <laughs> Great show as always. Sean O'Reilly at Uncrilla. Um, well, we thank you for giving us the tutorial. And um, when you get around to listening to this show, second tutorial required. Yes, please. Daz Oakley, um, since Darren Oakley at Daz Oakley said, uh, Hi, just catching up on the Marmite episode. Really good show. I personally can't stand Roche 410 or any of the Roche 4s, to be honest but they're held in pretty high regards by most I know, too boozy for me. Anyway, the reason for the DM, you wondered why breweries always work in hectolitres. Aside from it being a metric measurement where pints are imperial, it's also basically HMRC. You have to report your beer duty to in, in hectolitres and hectolitre percent, just in case no one has said why yet. I didn't know that. No, I, I didn't know that. So it was nice to get uh, a little bit more of a follow-up um, on, on the reason why breweries are using that as a measurement. Well, we'd have to try and remember that. Yeah. I would have to try and remember and that. I could out. still do, although when breweries do press releases though, why not, for the for the benefit of the press releases, it eventually is supposed to make it way to the public. Why not convert it back to pints for us? Well, yeah, that's that's ultimately what you want really, but um, we we do just need to remember what the, the conversion is. What was it? It was about 200 pints, isn't it? That was, that was, I think that was a very rough and easy number yeah, to do. Okay, so from Neil Hayden at Neil Hayden 73. Cracking show, a PB for me with three mentions. I wasn't trolling you with my choice of Sonoma as my Marmite beer. I, I think I just felt like people were having a massive troll yeah, on, both on, of us. On, the, on the last show, yeah. Um, but yeah, we've got some good engagement though. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks Miles yeah, yeah. for that question. Yeah. <laughs> Great show, gents. Your birthday is near enough mine with you guys. Started listening just before the Hot Burn and Black Live show. Here's to more beer adventures and opinions. Mr. WP at Mr. Underscore WP. Oh, cheers. Thank yes. you. Thank you very much. And happy and, birthday to yeah, yourself. indeed. And um, from, uh, I've heard of this bloke before, Paul at UNRCD. Welcome back. Really great episode. Too much of that James geezer, though. <laughs> I think that might be a reference to Gavin Barron myself. Oh, I reckon so. So, uh, final thoughts on the uh, on the tangerine from uh, Fierce Beer. I've I've this is probably the one that I've struggled with the most so so far in terms of its um, tartness and sourness and everything that's going on in there. It feels like it's um. And it, this, I'm sure this is how it's meant to be anyway, but it feels like it's it's a very young beer, and it, I don't feel it doesn't feel quite as rounded as, as I was hoping it to be. Is is that going to get any better? Oh, I don't think in, once in, once in it's can. in the can, it's not going to. But I mean, maybe before it went into the can. Okay. So maybe it was just that little bit young, little bit fresh. I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of aspects of that which they, which they were going for. 
it's just that I was hoping you'd have more of that um, closing out sharpness without some of the harshness that we had in, say, the first two beers. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the, the sharpness felt a little bit unbalanced. The rest of it as well, which I wasn't quite expecting. I have to admit. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, it, it, it very much did, did what it said in terms of the tangerine flavour and, and, and the zestiness that was in there. I, I just found it just a little bit too much for me and a little bit harsh around the edges. Ooh, that's a big bottle you've just got out of the fridge. So, and it's got a brown label. It's got a, I've got a 750 bottle and it's got a brown label from the Colonel, the London Sour Damson. Now, I chose this beer specially because you've had this before. Have I? Yes. So we had this at the Essex Bottle Share back in January. And I was wondering whether your thoughts may have changed on it a bit. Plus, you will obviously get a bigger pour than we do at the at the bottle share. I say, considering right now I can't even remember having that at the, well, at the bottle share. It's nine months ago. Did you bring it then? No, no. no. I've, um, I'm thinking it was Tom or something. Tom would be my guess. This is, this is one that I have heard um, has been spoken about and has been very highly praised. Um, I was definitely one of those. Um, there was a few, there was a couple of fives as well that night, I think. It might have been from Tom's own, guessing he did bring it. Now, this is pouring a lovely colour. That is such a deep red colour. Now, how, how nice does that look? The colour of that is the, the deepest of reds. Now, that looks like, I mean, that doesn't, that looks like, it. That, from here, that looks like a smoothie. It, it does. I mean, you, you, you can't see light through that, can you? No. It's, it's the original London Merc. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Is that just the, your face almost on the smell? Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite... Um, it's quite wine-like, quite vinegary on the nose. It has got, dare I say it, a little bit of a hint as uh, cider. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm... You were hoping that wouldn't happen, weren't you? I'm holding off drinking this. Because... Um, <laughs> I'm a bit concerned about this one. Right, let's 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 go on. Steve's going in. It's all right. It's not. It's not getting me like the last one was. I think the initial aroma doesn't quite translate. The, the aroma is. I've, I've got to say, the aroma is really off-putting. On well, on, it's off-putting for you. On, definitely for you. I, I, yeah. I get that because I know what that was going to be like, and I can definitely get that you would have you would struggle with that one straight away. But once you get past that. It, it's it's like fruit squash. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 really easy on the finish. Um, I've got to say, there's hardly, hardly any sourness in that at all. No, no. I mean, um, so let's have a look at the stats because the Colonel give us very few stats, but one of them <laughs> they do give us is the bottled on. Now, this beer was bottled on March 17 with a best before of March 19. So it's in the latter half. So this is a blend of barrel-aged and fresh saisons, fermented in tank with 350 grams per litre of whole Kentish damsons for five months. That's quite a way, quite a lot of time. Yeah. No, no, I've, no I've no point of reference there because I don't know what a damson tastes like. You not had damson jam or anything? No. Am I being too adventurous there? Yeah. yeah. 
jam. You can only get strawberry jam. That's the only flavour. Yeah. Anything else isn't jam. There are no other flavour jams. <laughs> there's, there's, there's strawberry jam and that's it. Done. Any particular brand or you brand? No, I'm quite happy with any strawberry any jam. Any strawberry jam. That's me, good. Yeah. So send your strawberry jam too. Yeah. All, all <laughs> to I see. I, I do actually think this is lovely. I mean, probably on the flavour, what it is lacking is, is the sourness. I've got to keep sniffing it in different ways. So at the moment, I'm trying to sniff it without, with just my nose, without putting my whole snout in, in the glass because it smells a bit like bad breath. Which is why I only want to do it in my nose in, in case it's me breathing into the glass that's, <laughs> that, that's making it smell that way. But I don't know. I just, I really, really, really don't like the aroma of it. Uh, the, I think the aroma, this is probably the, um, this is actually probably the most pungent and sourish aroma but not coming out in the flavour. No, it's, it's, it's not all. I think if you could block out the aroma, I think that's just a lovely fruit beer. don't like the aroma. I do like what it tastes like, and, and the finish is really soft and really easy Yeah. on, on this one. But it, again, we use all our senses, so yes, that will still play a part in your impers- impression, impression of the beer, won't it? Yeah. I mean, just a bit more about, um, you know, because of the uncertainty in, in using wild yeast, the sour beer brewing process is extremely unpredictable. The beer takes months to ferment and can take years to mature, which is typically the sort of thing that happens in Cantillon. Making sour beer is a risky and specialised form of beer brewing, and long-standing breweries which produce it and other lambics often specialise in this and other Belgian-style beers. Established in 1836, one of the oldest breweries still in operation that produces sour beers, the Roddenbach Brewery of Roslaire, Belgium. Today, sour beer has spread outside Belgium to include other European breweries and some in the States and Canada. I mean, the states have definitely jumped on the um, on the sours, both traditional methods as well as oh, they love it, don't they? As well as doing the yeah. uh, the kettle sours as well, they've really got onto that one. So Adam Nicholson at Adam Nitch, not for me. Titanic plum porter and tiny rebel club tropicana, really synthetic taste. Show off. Had a can in my bag as I was listening. Their Instagram said it was four and a half percent. So happy it was actually five point eight, and agrees it tastes decent. Great episode. Really enjoying. Um, so I assume the Titanic Plum Porter and Tiny Rebel Club Tropicana were his Marmite beers. I, I would imagine so, yeah. yeah. But um, thanks for that, Adam. Appreciate, yeah. the, uh, appreciate the feedback and really enjoying listening to Chef Hopcast at the moment uh, as well. So keep up the great work there, mate. Yeah, really enjoying it. Uh, Mark at Kelfied finally listened to the Peak Ender episode of Opinions Live. I must say I found some of the comments very immature from the Formbridge Brewer. He was basically calling beer drinkers who want beer in cans idiots for following a fashion. So why move to canning? Maybe a contentious comment to make, but I just found him very prickly at that point. I felt spoken down to for liking beer in cans. I get the technical difficulty for them to can, but don't deride the method and then say you move into it to make more money. Well, what do you think? I found that really interesting um, because I, I think when that when, when Mark sent that comment through, I, I messaged you and mm-hmm. I said, this is a really interesting comment. And, and I've had to go back and listen to the Peak Ender episode again because I, I, and I think just to explain the reason why I've had to do that, when, when we record the show, we're here in the moment and we're, we're not necessarily listening to what no. we're saying. And then when I go in to edit, I'm still not listening to what's going on. What I'm listening to are the bits that I need to take out yeah. to, to make it a smooth edit. So I had to go in through a third time to listen to it, to actually listen to what Rob was saying mm-hmm. and, and, and the way that he said it. I, I don't think he came across um, overly 
prickly uh, uh, about it. He was very to the point about his views. And, uh, and, and I think from what I understand, Rob is very much like that anyway, very much wears his heart on his sleeve. And, and I do wonder if since then we've obviously discovered that the beer is being shipped down to four beers can. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he, as head brewer, feels as though he's lost control of an element of quality control in the process of producing his beer. Well, was he the one who wrote the blog about the when they had the new bottling plant and the reason why they weren't doing the canning and, and what they loved about the bottling and keeping it in a sterile environment? It was because they had the complete control over it as much as anything else. Yeah, that, that was um, him. No, I didn't listen back to it, but I just went back on my... So I went back just to my original recollection. Um, Rob was very direct with all his answering. Um, he, 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 he's, he, he comes across as a guy who's more than happy being behind the scenes rather than out front, not like both the Simons who are much more happy engaging with people. Um, I, I, I get a little bit of what he's saying, to be fair. I, I will say that just based on my impression. I think you could almost have taken it, but it was actually a little bit grumpy. Why am I here kind of thing? So I've been dragged out. You know, let me let me have my Saturday to myself kind of thing. Um, but what he did give us was um, a lot of honest answers and a lot of honest feedback. And I think that's where you had... The Simons both sort of reiterating that Formbridge is a partnership, but it's also a business. Yeah. And there are times when the business and commercial will take the lead. But as far as they're concerned, not to the detriment, but that will be leading the decisions rather than the other way around. And I think that sort of came through. And so maybe, yeah, maybe there's a little bit, I wouldn't say frictional tension, because that didn't come across, but a difference of opinion of the way to go. Maybe Rob was saying, well, look, okay, we'll can, let's get a canning line in. Let's get our own canning line. And they're going, well, hold on a second. That's going to cost a lot of money. Why not use someone else's who've proven they can do it and Full Pure have, yeah. to my mind. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that I, I, I could get where you were coming from to a certain point. I think it's one of those things where if you'd seen him sitting on the hail bale in front of everyone, he was ba- he 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 spent a lot of time looking at his shoes or looking at the microphone. It, it just felt like that wasn't his uh, comfort zone. Yeah, um, and perhaps that's also how it comes across when you're not in your comfort zone. Do you sound as natural, perhaps? But yeah, it was definitely direct. <laughs> Without a doubt, <laughs> definitely direct. Um, I do like this next one coming up. So this is from um, Man Cave Beer Reviews at Man Cave underscore Beer. I blame Beer O'Clock Show for making me drink after work at 6am. Listening to the podcast on the drive home and all that clinking of glasses and bottles being opened add to the fact, add to the mouth-watering description of every beer and I'm powerless to resist. From Stephen O'Kane at Socrates 9. Not sure if you're doing it tongue-in-cheek. I haven't been listening from the first episode. But the pronunciation of Hells is two syllables. Uh, no, that's just us. <laughs> yeah, we just like to mispronounce everything. Yeah, and to be honest, it just comes natural. Yeah. Um, Hellez, I think is the way he's saying it is. I always wondered if it was actually pronounced Hellez mm. because of that second D. And don't get me started on Rausch beer. I didn't know I was saying Rausch beer wrong. Rauch beer. Rauch. Isn't it supposed to be Rauch? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd offer to teach you, but for fear that, that, that a real German might hear. Well, I might have to check when I go to Germany, see my brother yeah. next time. I do want to go to Bamberg, where the Rauch beers are from. 
Yeah. And it's beautiful. I, uh, not a fan of smoked beers either. I'm, I'm not a massive fan, but I, the city, because uh, it's uh, the town or the city is a UNESCO World Heritage uh, Site. It looks absolutely stunning. I, I do hope one of the last two beers is in a smoked sour. A smoked sour. Now, now <laughs> funny you should say that. No, <laughs> it isn't. But anyway, speaking of the beer, what are you um, getting any um, more enjoyment from it? Or? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not actually. I'm, uh, I'm struggling to get through this one now. I'm just finding it. It, it's not to my taste. It's, it's simply not to my taste. No? Uh, at all. I'm, I'm not enjoying it. Now, the last one. This sort of fell, falls in somewhere between um, a question of the week and bittering lingmas, really. So, yeah. Enjoyed your fanzine chat. Don't disagree about variants, but key is quality, not quantity. No issue with variants if they're good. Can you give breakdown of your untapped rates for all 33? Most of mine are middling, very low, very, few low, few higher. Suspect you may be the same. That's from David Hamilton at Leaf Dave. Now, before we get into the scores on this, because we, we, we've both done some homework on this to actually answer Dave's, yeah. David's question on this, um, I actually want to go back to talk about fanzine again. Because since we last had that, that chat, a couple of things have happened. So, firstly, um, as subscribers, we all got an email asking us to basically do a survey yep. on the first 11 editions of Fanzine. What were our thoughts and what were the things that we'd like to see changed? Yep, and they give us the option for a few free format comments as well. Yeah, which I thought was great. And, and I, you know, I was quite open last time on, on, on the show to say I think they need to change it up a little bit more. I'm fed up with variants. And I said that on, on the survey. It, it then somebody then commented because I made a comment on Twitter about the fact that that survey existed and then somebody commented and said apparently they've said that the most recent edition so edition 12 was the last of the scheduled boxes and that coincided with that survey coming out so by that I, I would take that somewhere they've, they've, they've put out a blog or information about it that those first 12 editions, which have spanned about six months in mm-hmm. time, have actually all been brews that have been scheduled in, into their pilot kit to produce those. So we've actually reached a point in Fanzine where they've finished the cycle of brewing. Oh, the ones that are already planned. Yeah. So the next editions, it will be interesting to see what comes out and how much of the, the customer feedback they actually take on board in, in regards to that. And then we got a box that had three brand new beers in it, one of which was uh, the, the first Saison that we've seen mm-hmm. in, in, in Fanzine as, as well. Um, now, obviously, I think we were both... So up to beer, up to the end of box number 11, I think we'd got to a little bit of a different point. I was still quite happy with the variants, and I was quite happy with the general overall quality of the beers that were coming mm. out. I was disappointed with the last box. Really? Yep. <laughs> I really love the last I know. box. I know. And so obviously, as part of our homework, I, I um, downloaded from Untapped all my fanzine beers. Now, I didn't have... I've only got 35 beers here rather than 36 because I didn't have the pina colada one at all. You, you didn't try it at all? No. I smelt it and then gave it to Michelle. Oh, see, I at least tried it. No, I gave that one up. Um, I'm hoping I get something back at some point on that one. But I haven't yeah, yet. Yeah, going to have it. Um, so, oddly, the, the three beers from the last box, which I've actually highlighted for my own benefit, 
Um, the Opaque Jake, which was a New England IPA, and the Scarlet Fever, which was a Saison Farmhouse Ale, were the first two that I rated under three. I get both of them two and a half out of five on the untapped scale. And then the Mind Game, which was just a, an American IPA, uh, three and a half. So I have to admit, uh, I, I'm I'm back to where I was, I was before. I'm I'm happy with the quality of the variants rather than just throwing out rubbish new styles which don't really do anything that's, for me. That's really interesting because I, I thought that opaque Jake was fantastic. I, I loved it. it. It's a New England IPA, which, you know, I'm not a fan of, but it, it ticked a lot of boxes for me. What did you give it? I gave it 3.75. Cool, we're miles away on that one. Yeah. I gave the Saison 3. Um, it was very... I thought the Saison was a very traditional Saison, which I'm more a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rye worked quite well in it, but towards the end it became... It became a bit difficult to get through it. So. I found that... Um, I didn't get any Saison farmhouse from it. I found it to be a smoky lager. Oh, I've got no smoke. That's all it. I was getting off it. No smoke off it all. And, and then the, the, the mind game, which was West Coast IPA. Yeah. Uh, I gave that 3.25 because I, I think... I, I I almost feel like Brewdog shouldn't bother doing West Coast IPAs in fantasy so boxes. If, if they're not going to do better than Jack Hammer, if, don't bother. If, no, if you, can't, if you can't better what is already there as one of your core beers, don't, don't bother. Yeah, no, I get because that. Because everyone's always going to compare a West Coast IPA that you put in that box to Jackhammer. And that's what I do every time. I see West Coast IPA, and I'm like, right, okay, where's my benchmark? Jackhammer, got it. And I know what my bench, I know what Jackhammer tastes like because I've drunk enough of it to know what it tastes like. And then I will always benchmark everything against Jackhammer. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, my my general overall feeling was, um, I've had quite a few, over half of them have scored 3.75 and above. Wow, that's, that's very generous. Mine were all over the place. I've got lots of two point fives. Uh, I've got a couple. I've got a couple of fours and a four point two five as well in in there. I've got four point two five, and they tend to be the stouts. So oh no, none none of mine were the stouts. No, I had the um, Nebula and three of the ten ton trucks. No, I've all I hit four point two five. Four point two five was the uh, the origami orangutan. Uh, get that four. Um, and the two fours were was it the hop shop? Oh, I get that 3.75. And Clown King, which was the barley wine. Give that a four as well. So, what what did yours average out at then? Because that, that was what um, David was asking yeah. us. What's, what, what's, what's, what's your average? I think a very respectable 3.69. So, one on tap, wow. I guess that'd be 3.75 nearly. <laughs> Mine was 3.18. Yeah, but sort of bare, but without, we didn't do the stats when we obviously discussed this before. Yeah. And I was definitely more of a fan. Um, but, yeah, the last three didn't interest me at all. Wow. I, th- I think what maybe skewed mine is uh, I had a 1.5 in there and I had a two, a few twos in there as well, which would have brought my overall average down. Definitely. I reckon my last ones is probably what tipped it from the 3.75 down to 3.69. Yeah. Good question, though. Great question. Um, overall, I'm still enjoying the series and I'll be interested now that I know that bit of information about the, um, about the scheduling. It'll be quite interesting to see what they start putting it, pinging out, to be honest. Yeah, and it's, it maybe also answers a question that I've, that's been going around in my mind is it's, it, it, it's this ever-changing selection of beers that, that's coming to the audience and what's happened during that period of time is you've had this massive style influence in the Brute IPA 
and we haven't yet seen one of those in a fanzine. And that really felt like a massive trick for someone like Brewdog to have missed out on that opportunity. Um, so I, I do wonder if edition 13 will have a Brew IPA in it, if it's the first one that wasn't of the previous schedule. massively surprised if that's not coming any time soon. Massively surprised. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's so the style of the moment. So I've been to the fridge, and we have Elgood's Cool Ship. So this is a UK brewer doing a very traditional way of uh, making a beer. Spontaneously fermented sour beer. Elgood's Cool Ship Sour Ale, brewed using traditional methods and original brewing equipment. Spontaneous fermentation is initiated on our unique double cool ships. A long period of fermentation and maturation in special tanks enables naturally occurring wild yeasts combined with oak to create its sharp, fruity flavour. A true sour English ale. Cheers. Cheers. It's um, sort of almost sticky fruity, like almost all like caramel-like as well in there. Oh, that's like black currant juice. No, no sour face though. No. Sorry, guys. No sour Sorry. face again. The next one. Trust me. <laughs> Just building up to the big finish. Yeah, I know what's coming. Um, so what do you, you know, it's, I mean, I was it. I had it in my head it was a darker colour from uh, when I had it before. But um, it's all fruit, isn't it? It is. It, it, it's literally like um, it's summer, all, summer fruit squash. Yeah, it's almost if, if, if you had a second jam and it had a dark fruit in it. Um, which obviously doesn't exist as everyone knows there's only strawberry but this is right you keep mentioning these types of jam no yeah it's it's that, that's that's like summer fruits squash I think it does have a bit of that sour fantastics about it it's quite dry at the end no I'm I'm, I'm literally getting zero sourness really yeah. yeah maybe maybe I've just worn you out so it's time for Paul's question of the week. Questions, questions, fill my head. Which actually doesn't feature a question from Paul at all no, this week. No. Um, and has now spawned its own hashtag yeah. as, as well. Apparently, quest, hashtag question of the week is a thing. People are just doing that without even asking us now. With a blueberry waffle breakfast out collab available for free pan at Tesco's, have supermarket beers reached a pinnacle of their craftiness? Uh, who's that from? Oh, from Adam Johnson, maybe not a fad. And is it all downhill from here? Um, well, I'd say just by our earlier news item, perhaps there's more to come from the uh, the supermarkets. Um, I have to admit, I am surprised to find a Blueberry Waffle Breakfast Stout collab in Tesco. I, I am. That, that was quite a stretch. That was not something I would have expected. But they also had um, a Brew IPA. From from Yeasty Boys and Vocation. Wouldn't have expected that either. Although, at least, I suppose people would recognise IPA a bit more. But yeah, the Blueberry Waffle. Uh, that, that, that puts Tesco more on trend than Brewdog. Yes. <laughs> I had nothing else there. Um, I, I don't think it's that. I think there's more to go. But I mean, I mean, £3 for a Blueberry Waffle breakfast now. I mean, that's, uh, that's bringing it to the masses by Tesco's. Isn't it just, we'll see if that newspaper can get hold of that beer. I'm I'm gutted because I've not been able to um, find Tesco's that's actually stocking that one yet either. So that's that's one that I've not been able to get my little mitts on. That's a shame because you get a couple of those. Have one there and, and store one. Yeah. See what it comes out like. 
Is the Formbridge link taking at Tesco beer selection to a higher supermarket level? In my honest opinion, always been decent, but recently a bit static and fell behind the range at Waitrose. Recent beers and even appearance of a few new, and he's put the word tall boys. Right. It's just so we have to read it out, isn't it? It is, and you know, you know Rob's going to be all over that yeah. now. Gets them back in the game and available. And that's from John Rogers at JM Rogers 2000. Um, well, the beer we mentioned earlier um, from Four Pure and Little Creatures, wasn't it? That was in a 500 milliliter can. That yep. was from Tesco. Um, and I would agree. I would say that um, Tesco, Waitrose and M&S, they seem to up their game at slightly varying times. Um, I would say the the Formbridge beer selection, but also that collection they did. Formbridge did that eight bottle collection, didn't they, for 13 they did, yeah, quid. The Discovery pack, yeah. And I thought that was very good. It's very good available value. as well. It's yeah. available in Tesco's. Um, obviously, yeah, Fullers and Friends in Waitrose. And we've just mentioned earlier in the show about M&S are stepping up and increasing their range and doing their Christmas box as well. Um, again, you know, not everyone can get to uh, craft beer shops or specialist beer shops or want to do the online stuff. And sometimes it's just a great gateway for people. Um, I, I think that while they're having their little battle, the consumer will will do okay. Um, but we'll just have to see how it how it pans out. Whether it has any uh, any unintended consequences, which is a popular phrase that we use at work sometimes, mm. that people don't see happening. But at the moment, I'm not going to complain because I've got eight cans of Jaipur in the beer cupboard. Well, there's that, and, and there's there's everything else that we've just previously mentioned. So, so on on the if you're going to Tesco's at the moment, if if, if you find a good Tesco's that's well stocked and has got everything that's currently available from this range, you can pick up. The, the, the blueberry and maple stout or the blueberry and waffle stout you can pick up a brute IPA you can pick up a, a New England IPA you can pick up the 500ml can from Four Pure which is an extra parallel you can pick up a Four Pure and Thornbridge collab IPL you can get the newly rebranded Camden IHL you can get um, a strawberry milkshake IPA this is from Tesco. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I mean, you know, and I, but I would say that they had flatlined for a bit. Yeah. They have flatlined for a bit. Yeah. Um, M&S are stepping up their game again. We know that Waitrose have t- definitely tie-ins with Fuller's. Um, we know they have the tie-in while back. They tied in with Beavertown, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that ain't going to change with them now with, um, with Heineken. So if you're a supermarket shopper and that's your only access to anything... And you want to pick up some some different class of beers, then they are definitely available these days. Now is a good time. So, yes, I would agree, John. Tesco definitely stepped up again. Uh, and then from um, some bloke called Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert, there are some beautiful can- cans around at the moment, but aren't there a few too many? Which until you pick them up and find the small print, you don't know what the brewer, the beer, the name, the style, all of the above delete is appropriate. Um, it's probably a valid point, actually. There are some beers where you can struggle to find out anything about the beer just from yeah. the can. Um, I'd, but, I'd, I'd like some basic information on the front. Yeah. Or, or what seems to be the trend these days is sort of up the side. Ver, like vertical yeah. on the side. I think somewhere it should be there. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't mind it being front and centre and it saying to me what it is. I don't mind having nice can designs because they do look good. But you do, I think you do need to hit a sweet spot. And, it, and again, I... Uh, 
one of my favourite London brewers is Four Pure. I like the way they do have the information on the side. It's mm. all very clear yeah. um, about the beer. And usually on the front, it does give you a clear indication as well. Um, yeah, I'd agree with you, Miles. I think, um, you know, there are some very beautiful cans around at the moment, but you can struggle to actually know what it is if you don't have any knowledge of it. You know, because I would argue with some beers, we just happen to know. Blue can, high wire, green can, cannibal. <laughs> yeah. Green can, anything for Steve. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Pink can, salty go. So we're, we're programmed with certain ones. Then, but yeah, with new ones, I think it's quite hard to spot them. Yeah, I, I, I agree, actually. And uh, lastly, um, from that James Geezer at, at Gammon Baron. I mean, what's the matter with these people? How many mentions is he had again? He might have won again. Um, regarding Guinness being a fallback beer, is there anything more disappointing when you ask for a pint and they get out a surgery can and pour it into an oversized glass? Yes. God, yes. No, but there is something more disappointing. When they just give you the bloody can and there's no surger. <laughs> I had that in Germany once. And that was it. It was like, oh. I've got a can of Guinness. I've got a can of Guinness. Brilliant. That really is not the same. It just wasn't the same. So yes, the surgery would be disappointing, but it wasn't just disappointing just getting the can. But it is a fanta- fantastic point, actually, because yeah, when I do want Guinness, I do want it to be a proper nitro pull. Especially if you've gone for it as a fallback in somewhere that's advertising Guinness. That's what you're hoping oh, for. Oh yeah, definitely. Is, isn't it? Definitely. So thank you for the um, for, for the questions um, on Paul's question of the week. Minus minus Paul. Yeah. Paul was a bit slow this week. Yeah, he's going to be gutted. Yeah. He's going to be gutted about missing that, isn't he? Indeed. Any, any more questions of the week or bittering lingers, please keep them coming in. Yep. Use the hashtag opinions and, and we will find what you're asking. So you're off to get the, uh, the, the final beer of the evening, which is apparently the one that's going to make me pull the face. This this one's got a cork and a cage and and everything. Looks all Belgian-y, doesn't it? It looks Belgian-y and it's got... It's another one of those what we had earlier, which was a goose lambic. lambic but this has got a, another word in front of it. It's an oud goose lambic. Oud goose lambic. Yeah. Does that um, mean it's an old stale beer? No. Okay. This is uh, Best Before, uh, the 15th of February 2027. So we've just sneaked in before it. So it's a bit young then. It's possibly. a young one. Right, so this is where... Oh, I'm not going to struggle with the court. That's quite handy. That would have been really embarrassing. Has it just fallen out? Oh. There we go. Oh, I'm worried about this one. I'll be disappointed if I don't get a sour face on this one. We've only really had one sour face. I had a bit of a sour face for the dams and smell. And again, I think there was a bit of a sour face for the tangerine. Yeah. So, yes, just to reiterate, the malt's a beat again. Cheers. Cheers. What are you getting? I'm getting some of that similar bready qualities from the, uh, the younger version. I'm getting hints, hints of that. I'm getting quite a bit of citrus off of that, actually. Oh. Oh, look. Come on. Oh, there it is. Have I done it? Possibly, yeah. Oh. Wow. That's um yeah. You see, I'm I, I was expecting that's prickly. That's that, that's got you. So it, this is an explicitly sour goose uh, brewed with wheat, bearing fine memories of the oak barrel in its character and aromas. This zesty beer with tinges of citrus fruits is oh, best served citrus. with a dose of humour of the same dryness. Not sure you're getting the humour. So I think this is a beautiful beer, especially compared to its younger brother. 
because that breadiness is like really tailed off. It's still there in the hints and the nose. You're really not selling it. The honey and lemons dropped off as well. Yeah, yeah I can't get rid of the sour face. I just can't. It's stuck. It's it's stuck around my cheeks. I just it's. See, I could drink quite a lot of this. Yeah, I'm just. Um, I mean, it's. I'm getting the citrus. I, I called the citrus before you read that out. Yeah, yeah. I so haven't I'm, turned over I'm the bit quite, of paper. I'm quite chuffed with that. Um, I'm not getting the breadiness. Again, there's there's some probably some whiny notes to, to it. Which I think you'd get like a white wine, but it's been in the barrel. Yeah, it's an actual proper oak barrel rather than having oak chips thrown at it, so to speak. On, I, but I think that just helps round it off. On the initial taste, it's quite citrusy. It's quite fruity. Um, and then it it goes. Does the sour sharpness come in for you afterwards? Then the the the, the sour sharpness gets me as it goes down, so it, it gets me right in my chest, and 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 it's almost like a, like a heartburn area. Yeah, and and that's that's where the uh, the gaviscon the the, the, the gaviscon will be uh, kicking in after the show to to try and calm that down. Steve, have you got any exclusive news for us? <laughs> I might have some exclusive. Well, isn't well, that? It's not really exclusive because um, even apart from apart from most of it, <laughs> it's, it's been all over Twitter for a couple of days now. But um, just for our can listeners, I, can I can so I finish off the bottle? You, can you are you sure? It. Yeah, no, you you, you go. Okay, for I it, just wanted to check. Yeah, no, 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 it's it's fine. Um, just uh, for for any of our listeners that might have uh, have missed the. Announcement of this year's Crimbo Crawl 2018, which it's it's long been not a secret that we were going to Bristol this year. Yeah, these things are awarded in complete secrecy, democratic vote, yeah, uh, brown paper bags, etc. Yep. First uh, of December, so Saturday the first of December, we always try to stick to the first Saturday in December. Yep. To make it nice and easy, nice and memorable. But we are we're heading to to Bristol, and we've got quite a, a route planned and and some nice little surprises uh, along the way this year. Yeah, I mean we definitely need um, a dry day. Well, yeah, a dry day or access to Uber <laughs> is going to be a must yeah, on this particular it, occasion. Indeed, yeah. So, so be uh, be prepared for a few walks. A couple of walks, yeah, indeed. Um, all these details are going to be in the link in the show notes. Um, but to give you an overview of, of, of what's what's going on, we'll be starting at eleven o'clock at Lost and Grounded, and Lost and Grounded are going to look after us. We're going to have a tour uh, of the brew house, uh, Lost and Grounded, looking around their um, Crohn's Brew House, um, before having a tutor tasting and a chat with co-founder, head brewer, and all-round nice guy, Alex Troncoso. So yeah, that's going to be one not to miss. Now, we need to know numbers for this one. So there is an Eventbrite link that we need people to go to and essentially book a ticket for this so that we know how many people are going to turn up. Yeah, so although the ticket's free, uh, we would really appreciate it if you're only booking it and intending to come along, though, because the last thing we want is people not being able to turn up. Absolutely, because Lost and Grounded are pulling out all the stops for us here. Um, now, that ticket link is also password protected because we didn't just want this to go live on Eventbrite, Event, Eventbrite's searchable pages. So to be able to book this, you're going to need to use the password, opinions. 
I, I really pushed you the boundaries there. You thought long and I, I thought I suppose so it, long It was either going to be opinions or Crimbo Call 2018. That, that was it, yeah. But that's all lowercase, so use password opinions uh, and book your ticket. As, as Martin says, only if you intend to come along. So from there, we've then got a 30-minute walk. So it is a bit of a walk back towards Bristol Town. Yeah, because Lost and Ground is our furthest one out, isn't it? It, it is, but we, we felt as though it was worth taking oh. the time. A bit to, of real, to, to visit, I mean, come visit. on, it'd be a real shame to go all the way to Bristol, not go out to Lost and Grounded. Mm. You know, they've they hit the ground running. We've talked about their beers, we've talked about their keto pills, we've talked about their fantastic artwork. We could not have got, we couldn't not go. No, you, you, and you know, come on, they, they look what they look what they're giving us. They're giving yeah. us a tour, a tutor tasting, and a chance to have a bit of a and a with the head brewer. Just, I mean, just a bit of a chat with Alex. It's worth going out there. Yeah, for that alone, and you know, the walk. You know, again, if we, we, we've been quite lucky on most of the Crimbo calls, it's usually quite nice. You get a nice, clear, crisp winter's day, that walk will probably come at the right time. And I've got to say, for anyone that came to Sheffield last year, it's probably about the same as the, the, the walk up to the Bath Hotel. Has it got the same sort of hill? No, I think Bristol's flatter. Hope because <laughs> that was a bit of a walk up to the Bath Hotel. <laughs> yeah. So after that thirty-minute walk, we're going to hit uh, the Barley Mow um, for a few beers in there. Uh, before then, heading round to um, Moore's Tap Room, um, and Moore are also going to do something special for us. We're still um, agreeing with them what they're going to do, but it will involve a tasting of of some sort, and it's possible. Bearing in mind it's still going to be early on in the day, it's possible that tasting may involve the words imperial and stout and barrels and aged. Make of that what you will. <laughs> so, um, but we'll confirm that a little bit closer today. After more, we're then heading to the Cornubia. I would have said Cornubia. Cornubia. Uh, for, for some more beers as we head back into town and then we've got another good walk uh, probably about a 20 minute walk from the Cornubia to uh, Wild Beers Bar at Wapping Wolf um, okay. where again we're hoping to maybe do something with Wild Beer we are talking to them at the moment but we'll confirm that in due course following there we're then heading back to the Three Tons the famous Royal Navy volunteer before finishing in what is apparently the legendary small bar in in, in Bristol. See, these are all going to be new for me. They're all going to be new. I for haven't me as well. been. I haven't been to Bristol since the early nineties. No, I went to. I've Bristol. never been no, to Bristol. I lie. I went to Bristol for a weekend in the early nineties when I had a mate who was a student at the uni, um, and I went there for like an afternoon in twenty eleven. So I didn't really see that much. Then. I've been through it on the train. I've never got off. So I'm looking forward to that. So am I. And there's some really. I mean. From what I've heard about some of those bar, some of the pubs we're going to be going to, outside of the the actual brewery visits, that should be quite good. They obviously it's going to be one of these things like it always is. People are going to say, "Oh, why aren't you going here? You should have gone here." Da, da, oh, da, da, da. There's probably another dozen places. Yeah, we could add on and, to this and there were. We're only there for a day. Um, we're grateful to to, to Boak and Bailey because they did take a look over at our list, and and there were a couple of places on there where they simply said you're not going to get a big crowd in there or a big crowd isn't going to be welcome in there. So we, Which is fair enough. And, and it was nice to get that bit of proper local knowledge yeah. as well to, to, to be able to work that out. So, so that's all now live um, on our website. There is a link in the show notes. Like I say, we do need you to, to book your tickets if you're coming along to, to the Lost and Grounded kickoff show. Um, but other than that, yeah, that's the, uh, the Crimbo Court. Yeah, and um, it won't be the last time we mention it either. 
It won't. We'll be uh, we'll be hammering this yeah. like a nail in a wall. Because once we go past uh, Steve's birthday, which was recently, then it's Christmas apparently. It is now Christmas, yeah. Um, that's it. Christmas is on the way. We can now talk about Christmas. We can now talk about Christmas. Ne- Tw- he'll be talking about 12 Beers of Christmas soon as well. Next show. I was going to be all <laughs> over 12 Beers of Christmas. And I think that sort of uh, about wraps it up. It does. It so does. I'm going to ask you the question. What's happening in the next show? See, the thing is, I know that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> because I do. Well, I could have guessed because I've looked at the bottom shelf of the beer, the beer cupboard, yeah. which is um, the show shelf. So we've recently sent some beers from Shane Swindles at Cheshire Brewhouse, uh, which is a series of single hopped power owls that he's done. Uh, they're all limited edition, and they're all fairly limited edition um, bottles as well. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very sort of one of 300 bottles or, or, or something like that. Um, and from all accounts, from the chatting with Shane, they're essentially the same recipe. The only thing that's different in them is, is single hops. It's so different hops. We, we thought it'd be quite interesting to do um, those beers and to see if we can actually really pick out what differences a hop makes yeah, for a beer. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And um, I mean, this is the same, same we, had, we had some beers from Shane before, didn't we, from Chester Brewhouse. And um, you were so impressed you went in and I bought a case bought that night. <laughs> yeah, a bit like Remington. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it so much, I bought the company. No, uh, not quite that much, but I did buy a case on the way home when we were recording in Shenfield before I'd got to Billericay, which is only one stop away. I bought a case of 12 beers. Yeah, you and were I so had, I haven't done yeah. that. And there, end of the journey. Um, thanks, mate. Thanks for taking the time to uh, put together a selection of beers that would take various steps throughout that journey. Um, We've still got some steps to go, I feel. I feel like your development is still early stages, but hopefully yeah. hopefully you've learned that all sours aren't created equally. No, I, yeah, I get that. Um, and I get that there's different variations within a style and like with most styles of beers, there's sub-styles of style. Um, but yeah, not all of them have done it, but I've enjoyed some of them. Cool. Thanks, thanks for putting those together. Cheers.